welcome to Compliance Solved, where we provide our listeners with 15 to 20 minutes of compliance advice, brought to you by Healthcare Compliance Pros. We've got you covered from coast to coast, bringing you the very latest in healthcare compliance with our experts, Chad Schiffman and Loretta Maddox. We want to talk about today some of the questions that we received at the end of 2020, and those questions are surrounding compliance programs and corporate compliance. It seems like at the end of the calendar year, we hear from our clients who are receiving attestations from health plans, asking them, have they completed training? Do they have a compliance program? And so we thought it would be a good topic to address so that we can really help Um, our clients understand what corporate compliance actually means, but also why it's important, and then finally how we can help. So um, I'm going to start off by just talking about effective compliance programs. And so just to give everyone a little bit of a background, compliance programs were mandated by the Affordable Care Act. And healthcare organizations are typically required contractually, um, for example, with their Medicare Advantage plans to have a corporate compliance program in place. And in addition to just being contractually obligated, there are some there are some advantages to having an effective compliance program. And when I say effective, you guys can just imagine me doing air quotes because it is um, something that you really just having a compliance program on its own in writing doesn't necessarily mean anything. It has to be proven effective. So we're going to talk about what that means. But one of the huge advantages to having an effective compliance program is the fact that if there is anything that happens, say, for example, from a billing standpoint, even if it's not intentional, but it's something that could pop up on the OIG's radar, or you could have an investigation, and there are penalties associated with that misconduct, then having an effective compliance program in place prior to that occurring can reduce those fines and penalties by up to 95%. And that is a huge incentive to want to make sure that you have an effective compliance program in place. Now, in order to get Um, an effective compliance program in place. There are resources available. Clearly, HCP has a resource available. That's why we're here. We're a compliance company, so we want to be able to provide you those resources. But the Office of Inspector General also has resources. And two of the main resources that we look to for most of our clients is the Compliance Program Guidance for Individual and Small Group Practices, Physician Practices. And then we also look to the compliance program guidance for third-party medical billing companies. And so those are two really good resources. And those are the resources that we look to to develop these programs for our clients. Another thing that I want to mention is that every compliance program is scalable. So this is not a one-size-fits-all. And for those of you who are listening, and have a compliance program in place based on the size of your organization, based on what you're doing in your organization, you know that it does does matter what you're doing and you have to take that into consideration when you're developing your own compliance program. 
And a big part of having that effective compliance program is that you make compliance a part of the daily activities. And so that means you don't just write it up, put it in a book and put it on the shelf. You actually have to live it every day. And so making that a part of your routine operations is again, a part of that effective compliance program. And so what I want to do briefly before I turn it over to Chad for him to talk about a couple of the things that we do specifically here at HCP is I want to go over the elements of an effective compliance program. And so as defined by the Office of Inspector General, there are seven elements that are included in, in an effective compliance program. The first one is having standards of conduct. And so this means that you are assessing the risk areas in your particular organization, and then you're implementing policies and procedure to reduce those risks. And the other part of that is getting buy-in from leadership. You have to have a commitment from the top down to make compliance a priority in your organization. And as a part of this, you do need to have a written code of conduct. That is a very important part of having an effective compliance program. Number two is that you have to have adequate oversight. This means you have to have someone responsible for handling compliance. That means you have to have a compliance officer and you need to have a compliance committee. And I know sometimes a lot of our clients are, they ask us questions about the size of their organization and they say, you know what, I am a manager of a three physician practice and I am it. So how can I have a committee? And that is, that is a little tough, but remember what I said, this is scalable. So it's based on your organization. So you may not have a committee of 10 people. It may be a committee of two. It may be that you're the manager, you are the compliance officer, and you're also going to bring in one of your physicians to sit on that committee. But the bottom line is that you have oversight, someone in charge to monitor compliance within the organization. You also want to make sure that you have clear lines of communication defined so that if someone in your organization recognizes an area where they feel like there could be a potential issue, you want to make sure that they understand how to report that. And so you need to have multiple ways in place to have that communication to leadership that is responsible for compliance in your organization. Number three is having education and training. So education and training specific to compliance and also specific to job tasks. You probably don't want to spend a lot of time training your nurses on specific things related to the day-to-day -day billing practices because that may not have anything to do with their role, but you do want to have specific training for specific functions within the organization. You also want to use real cases specific to the practice. We do hear from our clients who have said, you know, we want to make our training as beneficial and educational as possible. And a lot of times doing that means you have to have some real scenarios that make sense to the people in your organization. So customizing that training so that it can benefit those individuals because they act, it actually makes sense to them. It's a real life scenario and it, they can comprehend the parts of compliance that you're trying to get across to them. And again, 
we have resources available for that, but also the OIG has a ton of resources available that are on their website. Number four is reporting. I talked about having direct and clear lines of communication between the, um, the compliance committee or the compliance officer and individuals, but when there is a situation that comes up, you do wanna make sure that you have ways for your staff or anyone to report issues. And that can be directly to the compliance officer, but sometimes, especially um, in organizations where maybe people don't feel comfortable reporting because they are afraid of retaliation, which by the way, you can't retaliate against somebody for reporting, but there's still that fear. So it's a very good idea and it's recommended by the OIG that you have an anonymous reporting um, option for your staff. And that is something that is available through HCP. And we want to encourage that because if your staff feels out of fear that they can't report, there are potentially things that are going to go unreported and then you're going to have issues from that. So we want to make sure everyone feels like they understand they can report whether directly to the compliance officer, manager, their supervisor, or in an anonymous way. And as again, as I mentioned, you have to address the whole retaliation thing. You want your you want your staff to understand that they will not be retaliated against for reporting issues because you want to be able to address those. Number five, monitoring and auditing. And this is kind of a confusing part of corporate compliance, but it is one that really needs to be addressed. And so just as a quick um, rundown on monitoring versus auditing. Monitoring is day-to-day -day activities where you are looking at what you are doing, especially from a billing standpoint, to make sure that if there are errors, they are being corrected. Auditing is on a deeper level. So monitoring might raise some questions about, okay, how are we doing this process? And so from an auditing standpoint, that's really a deeper dive. And it's typically good for that process to be done by an external party, a third party that is not in the organization. And that way you can get an objective view of what is happening within the organization and you can address those things as they are identified. And those things should be done on a regular basis. Like I said, with monitoring, that's a day-to-day -day activity. With auditing, those should be set up on a regular basis. And Chad's actually gonna spend a little bit of time talking about that process and also how HCP can help. Number six, enforcement and discipline. So as a part of your effective compliance program, as you are looking at it, as you are monitoring day-to-day -day activities, if you recognize areas where things are not being done appropriately, you have to have an appropriate disciplinary policy. And so that needs to be clearly outlined and it needs to be executed. And one of the most important parts of this is that it you are doing this across the board the same. No one's getting preferential treatment. No one is um, being targeted, but we are treating everyone the same. So it is important to have those written disciplinary policies in place and that you are following those as situations occur. And then finally, 
response and prevention. So this is the last step in, in a, an effective compliance program. And this means that when you are alerted to potential issues, we are responding to those promptly. You want to make sure that you're taking action on all reports. And I know sometimes this gets a little frustrating, especially in larger organizations where you might have more incidents that are reported. And so there sometimes becomes this fatigue of addressing issues. You always want to take action on the reports, even if it's something that you may feel is unwarranted there is still a process to go through and that shows that you are taking compliance seriously and it becomes a part of defining your program as an effective compliance program. You also wanna make sure in your response and prevention that you are following up with appropriate communication. So if there has been an incident, it has been investigated, then what are, what are our next steps? What are we going to do? Are we going to implement corrective actions? And then if we do that, are we going to monitor those? And the answer to those questions is yes, you're going to do those things. And you're going to document that you're doing those things. Because again, this proves the effectiveness of your program. It proves that people are reporting incidents, they're being investigated, corrective action is being taken, and we're not making those same mistakes again. And that really, in a nutshell, is how a corporate compliance program should work. Now, I know that was a lot of information in a very short period of time, but we just wanted to give our listeners an overview of the importance of this, not only to reduce any potential fines and penalties by up to 95%, but also to reduce errors from happening, to reduce harm to patients, harm to the organization, harm to your employees. That's the point of this, to have that effective compliance program in place so that we are reducing these risks. And so now that I've covered why you need um, an effective compliance program and all the elements that are included, I want to turn it over to Chad because I want you to hear what he has to say about HCP and our compliance risk analyzer in addition to our auditing process. We, as I've mentioned before, we find this is an area where many healthcare organizations tend to miss the mark. And so, um, Chad, I'm going to turn it over to you and let you talk a little bit about the CRA and our auditing program. Thanks, Loretta. Here we are in 2021, which means we will have a change in administration. Historically, when there is a change in administration, there are changes in healthcare policies and how things are to be done to be compliant. Over time, we will learn what will be changed by the new administration and what may be changed that was put in place by the former administration. Some things will remain in place by the former administration while others may be updated. Now for the time being, what we do know is CMS has implemented revisions to certain evaluation management CPT codes. It remains to be seen what the changes to those codes will be in subsequent years and coding guidelines altogether. What we do know with the current changes to the ENM codes is there will be an increase in work related value units. And that should mean an increase in reimbursement. Although CMS did decrease the conversion factor in the physician fee schedule, this decrease did end up being slightly lower than we initially anticipated when the final rule came out. And that was due to the recent COVID-19 relief bill. 
So let's talk about some of these notable changes in 2021. 99201 will be deleted. Levels may be selected by either medical decision-making or time. Now only a medically appropriate history and examination for the encounter needs to be documented. That's a huge change. When documenting or coding time, the entire time spent by the physician or other qualified healthcare professional on the day of the visit can now be used to choose a level of E&M service. So as you can see with these changes and other changes, questions have been asked about auditing. Some of the most frequent questions we are asked is, should auditing still be a focus by healthcare organizations? Well, as it turns out, remember we have a new administration and so there are gonna be other updates. Some of these requirements have changed too. So we know that increased focus on selecting the proper code is still going to be as important as well as ensuring documentation is accurate. So for these reasons, we believe there will be an increased focus on audit requirements in 2021 and beyond. In other words, there should be an increased focus on internal and external auditing efforts rather than a decrease in auditing expectations. But we also know that the traditional approach to auditing will not be enough. So we'd like to introduce to you today the Compliance Risk Analyzer or CRA for short. This is a tool that Healthcare Compliance Pros offers as part of our coding audit process and comprehensive corporate compliance program. It is really <clears throat> a risk-based auditing tool that delivers an effective, efficient, accurate, and rapid identification of potential risk areas. This is for every single provider in your organization. It can be used for the healthcare providers and mid-level providers. Now this is accomplished by analyzing a full year's worth of claims. The initial report of the CRA includes a comprehensive report that includes potential coding and billing compliance risks for each provider. Risk is assessed for the five most important categories. In other words, these are the categories that Medicare and other payers consider when deciding whether or not to audit your practice. These include frequency utilization of evaluation and management procedure codes, frequency utilization of non-ENM procedure codes, RVU consumption of all procedure codes, frequency utilization of modifier codes, and provider hours per year versus OIG's FTE guidelines. From there, this analysis is further audited by our certified coding auditors. From there, they take this information and provide a recommended audit action plan, largely based on the results of the compliance risk analyzer. But they just wanna do a few probes just to make sure that everything matches up. Following the completion of the subsequent audit that is based on the audit action plan, training that is based really on the results from the provider's audit can then be provided to the providers and also the billing and coding staff. Now this entire process is simply more efficient and more cost-effective than the traditional approach to billing and coding audits. And it really does all start with the CRA. I am really excited about the CRA Loretta and what it does for our clients. 
Great. Well, and I'm excited about it too. And I'm excited about 2021. I hope that our listeners are excited about the new year. And as, as you look to 2021 and the things that you want to put on your list of things to accomplish, we hope adding an effective compliance program is one of those things. And as, as you can tell by what we've talked about today, there is a lot that's involved in that, but we can help you simplify some of those tasks. So just know if you have questions, if you need assistance with developing that effective compliance program, know that HCP is here to help. And of course, if you want to reach out directly, you can go to our website at HCP. Dot md and and chad and i are always um always happy to help so thank you for listening today take care and have a great 2021 thank you for listening to compliance solved brought to you by healthcare compliance pros are your compliance needs being met would you like a free compliance consultation do you have questions comments or suggestions for future podcasts we would love to hear from you please contact us through email, info at hcp.md, by phone, 855-427-0427, or visit our website at www.hcp.md.